0: this place, man, there is no shortage in the kingdom of God. Can we just think about that for a minute right now? Like we live in a world of a shortage mentality. There is no shortage in God. And even though some people live that way in this world, there's really not a shortage in this world, believe it or not. And there are people that have so much money, That man, they could almost like they could what rescue a country, but you know what? There's this is the day that we're living in where the Bible says that there's going to be a transfer from those that are wicked. You know, people get mad about preachers driving jets or doing things like this, and but, but but you're not mad about the pedophile having a jet and transporting kids all the way to the Caribbean. Why are you mad about somebody that's setting people free? you know, taking an aircraft so that they don't have to spend 10 hours drive, traveling from A to B, but you're not mad about the pedophile driving the, you know, there's wicked people that have an exorbitant wealth, and this is not the way that God has ordained it. Yes, Satan is the God of this world. He thinks that he owns the economy, but I'm telling you what, what he thinks belongs to him. God said the silver and the gold belong to me. He is the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he wants for his children not to trust in money. He, he, that's the key right there. He doesn't want us to trust in money, right? And this isn't even what I'm talking about today, but I just felt inspired during this whole thing. He doesn't want us to trust in money, but that doesn't mean us, he doesn't want us to have money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money. Man, money in the hands of a righteous person can do so much good, Oh my goodness. And so of course the enemy wants to keep money out of the hands of good people. But I'll tell you what, when we as we as a church, we're getting ready to step into some unprecedented times. And we've got to be ready. We are already on the cusp of this things that are just unprecedented. This is a new new thing happening all around us. And for the world, it's scary. Horrible times, and we cannot get our source of information from just what we're seeing on the news and what we're seeing on the streets and what we're seeing on the stock market. If we if we use the things that we're seeing, the current events, as our source of information and as a a, a um like the parameter for how we're viewing our lives, it's going to be a really crappy bad time. But. That is not our source. We have a higher source. There is a reality that's greater than what CNN and NBC says. There's a reality that's greater than what, you know, the threats or things that people say are going to happen and the doom and gloom. We live by a different reality, and that reality comes from the Word of God. It comes from the Word of God. We're not living based off of, of what is forecasted to happen it's like what happened in, in the book of Exodus, the children of Israel before, when they were in Egypt. Darkness, all these terrible things happened all around them. the plague of frogs and flies. I mean, you can't even imagine. What that, can you imagine what that was like? Locusts, like you couldn't even step without stepping on locusts. There were so many locusts that swarmed the land. but guess what? It didn't happen in the children of Israel. The darkness, the, like the darkness settled in where it didn't even the sun didn't even shine for a period of time. but guess what? The sun shone in Goshen, where they lived. And that is, that is the life that we're supposed to be living. We have to be ready for this, though. My goodness, You know, when you see what's happening around you, don't like that you know, you can take it one route and you could say, "Oh man, I don't even want to have kids. I don't want to bring people into this kind of a world and da 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 da-da. But you know what? It's not the same story for us. It is not. These are the days of greatest glory. And you know what? The things that the enemy is stirring up to try to bring such chaos, it's because he is scared. <laughs> Because he sees the things that have been prophesied. Do you all know what has been prophesied for this time? Even from that, it was a strange prophecy, that guy that he already passed away. Before he passed away, he said, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it will be a mark in time of the beginning of the move of God like the world has never been seen. Like, why did he call out the Chiefs? Who knows? He's already dead. He died before that ever happened. This year that happened. For the first time in like how long. And that's just one of many, many, many times of people saying, this is happening. We are in the cut. We are on the verge of the greatest move of God that this world has ever seen. It's greater than the book of Acts. It's greater than what you read about from the prophets of old. It's greater than all of that. It's like every, all of that come together, shaken up and poured out because it's the grand finale before Jesus comes back. Because does anybody know Jesus is coming soon? People say, oh, well, every time something bad happens, they say, oh, yeah, Jesus is coming soon. When Hitler came, they thought that it was like the Antichrist. When, you know, when World War I, all these things, they always think. But, you know, there's one big difference. Jesus said in, in the Gospels, he said that this generation that sees the fig tree, the fig tree is a symbol of Israel becoming a nation. The generation that sees the fig tree will not pass away before the end comes. We have seen Israel, and they say generation can be up to 100 years. So that was 1948. So based on biblical prophecy, we have the basis to believe that within these 100 years, that this is actually the time. That's what sets this apart from every other event that has ever taken place. But for anybody that knows God, that's a prayer. If you're a prayer, tell you what, you listen to people that are, that are real, like prayers, <laughs> that you know get into that prophetic thing they know Jesus is coming soon he's been saying it there was even a story that was a couple years ago there was a, a, a young drummer that was sitting on a church and he was looking down at his at his drum he was, and and he saw this pattern come up on and he was like that's really weird and so he put his um put his paper and he just traced it because it was a really strange pattern. Like it didn't make sense why it would be there on the face of the drum. He took it to the pastor's wife and the pastor's wife was like, where did you get this? And he said, oh, well, it, it was on the drum. It was, you know, I just traced it. I thought it was really strange. She said, I've been taking Hebrew in my Bible class, and this, this looks very much like Hebrew. So she took it to a teacher, and the teacher said, where did you get this? And, this, and, this and, and she said, well, you know, it was just really weird. This boy brought it to me. He had traced it. And he said, it means tell them I'm coming very soon. There's things like that happening. You might not hear it. There's things like that happening all over the world. Jesus is appearing to people in like in 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 Middle East in different places where people are having encounters with God that that didn't even believe in Him, that are encountering Him and He's telling the same message: I am coming soon. And this this as He comes, as the days to His coming grow closer, this is a day where where where. Our mandate as a church becomes so important because God, he already made it clear. He's not coming back for a bride that is that is struggling and all beaten up and just, you know, all bruised and tattered and just stained with everything you know from the world he's coming back for a glorious church and we are in a period right now where god is waking people up he's waking up his church he's causing them to stand up to look to to be to not even to those that are like you know like wishy-washy like i don't know if i want to preach you know about jesus or talk about the blood or about the holy spirit they're going to fall off really fast we had a lot of churches that have been like that that they don't want to 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 you know talk about the Holy Spirit. They want they don't want to talk about things that maybe would be weird to some people, like the power of the blood. But I'll tell you what, that is what we need in this time like never before. We are to be the church that stands up, and and man, there will be persecution. But I'll tell you what, the glory will outweigh the persecution. And it's not just anymore; we're, we're, it's not to be just a gospel. It's not just a story of a man who lived 2,000 years ago. We are his body. We are his extension, and we are have a mandate on our lives to go and to demonstrate. That means that you know, even we, we've got to challenge ourselves. Even when we come to church on Sunday, we're not just listening to the word and, and just, okay, let's hear a good message or a good talk. This isn't a talk. This is not a Ted talk. This is the power of God, the power of the word of God And it is to be demonstrated. And so I'll tell you what, even today, we're going to step out even more. Every time you get in this place, if you've got pain in your body, you just expect as the word is being forth, you're just checking. As the word is being preached, you're checking. You know, expecting something to change, expecting to leave here better, expecting for the supernatural power of God. Don't get in a rut. Don't get comfortable. And it's going to be, we're going to take it not just here. We're going to take it to the streets. I'm so excited, so excited for the fall. You know, we've been talking about in the fall, you know, we're going to do a a big launch party and we're going to just go out to the streets. And man, we even have like, we were at a business and ministry this week and you just don't know who God's going to bring into this to to partner with us and to go. And we're going to take our city. I thought, I mean, it seems like we've had several people. I remember even just a couple months ago, Amber and I went down to Maryland and the, and, and man, like tremendous, uh, tremendous service where like the power of God was shaking people. I mean, it was just, People were just being touched in a major way by, and, and the pastor made a beeline to us at the end of the service and said, I want to help you take your city for God. Do you want help? So, you know, God is lining things up. Guys, I want you to realize there is, we are, you know, don't look at our numbers or look at, oh, well, you know, maybe this and that. This is how it's been the last couple years. I, there is a, a, a major purpose for us here in this city, and we are going to reach the city. We're going to reach the addicts. We're going to reach the depressed. We're going to reach the people with mental illness. We're going to reach the sick, and we're going to see the power of God, because if this gospel cannot be demonstrated, it is no gospel at all. It is a real gospel, and it is different than every other religion because their God is dead, and our God is alive, and our God heals today, delivers today, and when he touches a person's life, everything changes. You can be addicted, and you'll leave whole. You can be depressed, and you'll leave with joy. You can be whatever kind of mess, tormented here in voices, and you'll leave in peace with your dignity restored and life. And he'll tell, you know, Jesus every time he touches touch somebody he would say go in peace go live your life go be whole be you're free from this oh man and that's our job as a church the person who's tormented on the street they encounter us they encounter the power of God and everything changes just like that nothing is the same and those are the people I mean and in the book of Acts you just saw that happening constantly people added to the church daily because of these encounters. You know, somebody was lame at the gate and, 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 and got there. They, they walked again. So this is our mandate, our mandate. And, and you know, even if you look at the, the ministries that have sown into our ministry, uh, you know, I, I've just, I was so stirred up this week. Um, I listened to a a, a Facebook Live from um, leaders in prayer school. When I was at Bible school, there were two people that were over prayer school, and they did a Facebook Live this week. And it was like, it just like took me to the core. It was, you know, just... Of, of everything that I've been destined to do as, as, a, as a child of God and as a pastor. Like we are, we, we have a mandate. You look at, you know, Brother Hagin, who was is, who is a, a, a a father for us and, and the mandate that he had in his life to, 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 to show, teach people how to walk by faith and to demonstrate the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit, we have that same mandate as a church, and we're going to see that happen. I don't care if Lancaster hates the move of the Holy Ghost or whatever people, you know, try to say, oh, it's really hard around here with, with the with things of the Holy Spirit. People resist it. Man, we are a sledgehammer. We are the church of the living God. We break down walls. We break up shallow ground. And this is the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And so, man, we've been going back to the to the foundations, going back to to walking by faith. Because you know what? And the thing that really what really hit me this week when I was listening to that Facebook live is he was talking. It just, so, you know, you know things, and then you just you just don't. Like, what do we say all the time? We say we're supposed to pray from our position a victory. So that's something we say a lot to each other. We don't pray, which means we're not praying like we're trying to get somewhere, or we're trying to get God to do something. We take our position in Christ, and we pray from that position. So I know this. I say this a lot myself, and it was just like the practicality of it like hit me over the head. Like, you know, one of the things that seemed like the last, you know, there's been a period of time where it seemed like I would go to pray, and I would just feel so distracted. (laughs) Like my mind's racing, and it's like I just couldn't focus in, and it it's like I began to, to, to like tolerate that, like, well, this is just kind of what I'm battling right now, you know? And, and one of the things that they said in this Facebook Live, she said when talking about when she was praying and she felt like she was just hitting a wall, like she just wasn't like getting anywhere. It just was dry. It was just, you know, you just, you're not, you're not making any progress, not getting any answers, not hearing from God. And she was like, God, what am I supposed to do? And he said, what would, pray like you're on the other side of that. That's what that means. Pray like you're already on the other side of that. So, and 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 you could say that with anything, with with healing, with um, finances, with you know. So many times we're praying and we're just like waiting on God. God, you know, and 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 even though we know we're not waiting on God, we still do it somehow. Does anybody? Does anybody relate to that? It's like, I'm not waiting. I know God has already done it, but yet I'm still waiting on him. Like, okay, God, when? Okay, God, you know, like when is my body going to change? When am I going to be healed? Or when is the finance going to come? Instead of taking our place. What does that mean? So you take your place like you're already on the other side of that. So she said, well, okay, how would I pray if I was on the other side of that? She's like, well i 'd be really into it i 'd be really excited I, my dialect you know when you 're praying in the holy Spirit and in tongues there 's different dialects and and when you really get connected it 's like you can start to interpret what you 're praying um, and and so this isn 't you know it might seem weird if you 've never never talked about these things before, but the operations of the holy spirit they 're so real. And so it's like you can start to, to, to pray and you'll start to interpret and see. So she's like, okay, I'm going to start to pray like I'm on the other side of that. I'm going to act like it's true even though I don't feel like it. And that's the whole premise of anything that we receive from God. We take him at his word and we act like it's true even though we don't feel like it. And that is basically, if you're talking about joy, What is is joy? What is the importance of joy? Joy is basically living a life of faith and acting like it's true, what God has said is true, even when you don't feel like it. Because your feelings, and, and it has nothing to do with your feelings, your feelings will take you like this from day to day. One day you feel like you are a, you know, spiritual giant, and man, I'm going places the next day you'll feel like the world's worst failure. I can't do anything right. And if you go by your feelings, you're going to live like this your whole life long. Does anybody else want to not live like this? (laughs) And so joy is a decision to act like the word is true even when it doesn't look like it. Because guess what? If I'm praying and asking God for something and I got it, how would I act? I would be pretty happy. I'd be excited. You know, if if somebody walked up to you and you knew they had the resources and that they were trustworthy and they said, "I'm going to pay for you to go on a vacation tomorrow. All paid, all expenses paid. You're going to, I don't know, St. Thomas, Maui. It's done." And you you know, you might not have a ticket in your hand, but if you trusted them and you knew they had the money, would you get excited? <laughs> I mean, it's not some Joe off the street. This is somebody that you trust. Their word means something to you, and you know they've got it. <laughs> and they said, Pack your bags. Tomorrow I'm going I'm to take you to the airport, hand you a ticket, you're going to Maui. Would you be excited even though you weren't in Maui yet? <laughs> would you be excited even though you hadn't seen the ticket yet? Why? Because you knew, one, they were able, and you knew, two, They were trustworthy. So does God not deserve that same kind of respect? Is he able to change your situation? Is he able to turn around your son or your daughter to deliver your, your cousin, whoever from whatever it is that they're dealing with? Is he able to take your finances and bring you from zero into having money in the bank and having more than enough? Is he able to do that? Is he able to heal your body? And so if his word says it, you believe he's able, do you believe his word is good? Do you believe he's, he's, Do you believe he's trustworthy? So if you believe those two things, what will happen when you see something in the Word of God, when he says, "By, your, by, by his stripes you are healed? When he says that I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory?" What would be the response of believing? You get happy. You get happy. You get happy about it, right? Martin Luther, Martin Luther said this. He said, "You will have much joy, no, you will have as much joy and laughter in your life as you have faith in God." As much joy and laughter in your life as you have faith in God. So what does that mean? It is impossible to say, I believe God, I trust God, I believe that I'm healed, and be like down in the dumps and depressed. And that doesn't go hand in hand. You might, your mouth might be saying you believe, but are you really believing if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're expecting, you know, you say I'm, we know what to say, right? We know what to say. Like, okay, I'm supposed to say I'm healed. I'm supposed to say that, that God is, you know, supplying my needs. But yet we could convince ourselves we believe it, but yet we're not happy about it. Well, that's number one indicator. Be like, if I'm not happy about this, then somehow I'm just not believing this the way that I think I am right? Because when we're, when, 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 man, the word of God is like too good to be true. Too good to be true. Like the blessing of God is too good to be true. He said that, that, that Christ redeemed us from the curse so that we could have the blessing of Abraham. What was the blessing of Abraham? Like he had, he became so rich as an individual that he had enough people to go and, like, when the, when the king of, was it the king of, some king, Abimelech, or, or I don't know who it was, that captured his nephew, he had enough servants to get an army together and to go after and take back Lot from the king. He was so wealthy that he couldn't coexist in the same place with his nephew. He was so wealthy, and then it was like he was already rich, and and kings and stuff would just keep giving him more money. Like, he just kept expanding, kept multiplying, kept growing. He could not decrease for increasing. Like, everything, like, when God is with you, when the blessing is on your life, man, it's like people know it. People know it. It gets people's attention. Like, he walked into a country, He he, you know, he went to stay in a country. The king knew he was there because, I mean, he came with, like, So much stuff. And God said that the blessing of Abraham is brought upon us. That means what he said he wanted to do for Abraham, he wants to do for you, to multiply you. That could look different for anybody. I mean, I'm not saying everybody's got to be flying in jets, their own jets, or living in, in multi-million dollar mansions. I'm just saying you, the increase is there for you. That when you go to a business, it doesn't fail, but it increases. That when you go to, to you know, whatever it is that you're putting your hand to, there's blessing on it. There's multiplication. That was the big part of the blessing. He told him, Abraham, he said, I will multiply you. I will bless you and you will increase. So multiplication. Man, we should be multiplying. And, and of course, we're not, we're not trying to multiply so we can stack the cash in the bank. We're multiplying so that we can, 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 can bring in the harvest, so that we can give, see the word of God go out and fund the gospel and see people get saved and free and healed. And then he wants you to be blessed on top of it. He wants you to have more than enough. So when you hear those kind of things, does that make you happy? <laughs> because if it doesn't, then you're not expecting that. Joy is, so why is joy so important? Last week, Joe, Pastor Joe talked about how joy is a force. And it comes, it is, it is a, a, there's a force of joy. It's not a feeling. So it's, it, it's it's actually a spiritual force. And how does joy come? He mentioned how it comes from the presence of God. And I started by saying joy is is the evidence of a life of faith. And, of course, we know faith, the just shall live by faith. If we, we don't have faith in God, we're not going to make it in these last days. If we don't have something other than the news and the economy and what's going on politically, we, you know, it's it, it's a scary time, right? But we have the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away. The word of God will never pass away. We've got something more true than anything else we see around us. And our faith is what links us to that. Our trust and believing in God. When we believe God, we refuse to, let, to, to consider the circumstances, the situation, but we choose to believe God. Like Abraham believed God. And he, and he knew he, he believed that God was able to do what He had promised. Do you believe God is able? Could he turn everything around for you? I mean, between today and tomorrow? do you think, do you think he doesn't have a thousand ways to do that? He has a thousand ways. I think of the people and the children of Israel they were surrounded, they were in like a siege, and they had you know no food. I mean like they were like eating their kids. I mean it was a bad, bad situation and The word of the Lord came forth that said, I know that might not have been a good thing for me to say with the kids in the room. (laughs) Um, But the word of the Lord, the, the word of the Lord, that there was a prophetic word that came that said tomorrow everything would be different. And if I remember correctly, there was somebody that would not believe that. The king's helper would not believe it. And he didn't get to experience it. I think he was trampled or something. But that next day, God had miraculously, all of those enemies had left, and there was, like, bounty and food and gold and treasure. They went from extreme scarcity to extreme abundance in one day. And they tried to figure out how could that happen, and God's like, what? You, like, do you not know who I am? And that always happened in the Old Testament. They're always like, but how? And they're, they're complaining for meat. And he said he's going to give them meat. And they're like, how's meat going to come here? And he's like, are you kidding me? I just split the Red Sea for them. <laughs> and he brought in the quail. And he said, like, you're going to eat meat until it's coming out your ears. Like, stop questioning my ability. Like, And we do that all the time. Like, yeah, okay, I know God says that. But how? How is it going to happen? Well, joy gets us onto the other side of that. We don't have to figure out the house. The first response of our faith is to rejoice, to get happy about it. Get happy. David said in Psalm, uh, what is it, Psalm 112, I think it is. Um, one nine or maybe one nineteen sixty two. I one nineteen. So on one nineteen, verse sixty two, he said, "I rejoice at your word, like someone who has found a great spoil." When you get to that place where the word of God is like, it's like it's like a treasure. And you rejoice. That's the key. Your response, your accurate response to the word of God is to rejoice. Not to be like, oh, that was a good talk. And, um, yeah, that was really inspiring. And I am so glad that I heard that talk today. It is not a motivational speech. (laughs) The word of God is the power of God. It is is a reality. It is a, a treasure to us. And when we rejoice, the right response to the word of God is to rejoice, to get happy about it. You know, um, and actually, I'm just going to detour really quick. (laughs) Because we've been talking about every week we take a week on love, right? And so if joy is so important to our receiving, Joy is. It's a vital part. It's an action to your faith. Faith without works is dead. What is the greatest action your faith can have? It's just simply to get happy. People think, oh, do I need to throw away my medicine? Do I need to, like, do something crazy? You know what? Let's just start by getting happy. Don't throw away your medicine. Just get happy about it. Get excited. Start rejoicing. Start praising God. Get happy about the fact that tomorrow doesn't have to look the same way today looked. That the doctor's report isn't the last word. That Jesus has given you everything that you need. He's already overcome. He carried your sickness so you wouldn't have to. You just, let's just let that be the starting point, right? You don't have to try to think up some crazy action to do to prove that you have faith. Just get Happy about it. get happy. That is the greatest thing you can gift you can give to God is Lord, I'm happy about what you have said. I'm happy about the blessing. I'm happy about the Holy Spirit who is my helper. I'm happy that I'm healed that healing belongs to me. But the greatest thing that will cut so so anything that will cut off our joy, is a serious, serious danger to our lives. Why? Well, I mean, joy. Why is joy important? It's our strength. So if you are lacking joy, you're lacking strength. You're going to get weak. You're going to feel faint. Like, oh, I just don't have the the strength to even. I mean, you could get to the point where you feel like you can't even get out of bed, right? Has anybody ever been there? I've been there. It's like, I just feel like, ah. I don't even want to take a shower. I don't want to get out of bed. I mean, you start to get depressed. You know, that's the opposite end of joy. But when joy comes, strength comes. Suddenly you've got motivation. You can get out. You can, you know, you you, you, you see life. You see hope. You see vision. You know, all that comes when your joys come. Strength comes. And, you know, it's a, so it's a demonstration of our trust in God. It's an indicator of what we're really expecting, because if you're depressed you're probably expecting that tomorrow's going to be worse than today or this is never going to change that's pretty depressing when you're in a hard time and you think like this is there's no end in sight i'm always going to be like this i'm never going to be able to change i'm never going to be able to stop or or be who i want to be or fill, follow my dreams you know you get depressed i just can't do it Joy is the other side of that. Joy brings courage. I can do this. When you have joy in your heart, man, there's courage and and strength to step out and to do things and to take action and to not be, you know, like all doom and gloom. Oh, if I try that, it'll probably go the same way it went every other time. (laughs) If I go a new business, that'll fail too. And it always does. And I'm always the one that, you know what I mean? Like those, have you ever had those thought patterns come? Like, oh, nothing good. Little Eeyore, Eeyore from Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, nothing good ever happens to me. If this, it's going to rain it, it, over anybody, it'll rain over me, you know? <laughs> and so it's a true indicator of what we're expecting. Joy, courage, and strength. It's an activator of the power of God. You know, it's the greatest revenge you can have on your enemies. <laughs> it's just to be happy including Satan, nothing would stick him worse than, man, he gives you his best shot, the worst doctor's report, the worst thing, and for you to just laugh. There is nothing that you could do worse to him than to just be unfazed and still just be happy. And I had the Lord say that to me one time. You know, I was like in the middle of, you know, just seemed like there were so many things to figure out. And he's like, I just want you to be happy and enjoy your life. Nothing sticks to the enemy more than that. And I think it seems like that's what he's after more than anything. Always trying to steal your joy. Make you unsettled. Make you uneasy. Make you unsatisfied. Make you, you know what I mean? Instead of just being able to be happy wherever you're at, happy in your journey, he tries to steal your joy. Well, why is that? Because he knows if he gets your joy, he gets your strength, and he can take you down. And so... Laughing in the face of impossibilities says that you have greater respect for God than what you do for what the enemy is trying to do. If you can laugh when you get uh, some kind of terrible report, you are, the only way you can do that is because you know the God that you serve, that there is a miracle in whatever situation you're in. But this, So what I was going to get at, though, was the biggest thing that will cut off your joy, there's nothing that will cut off your joy like what? like strife, resentment, and unforgiveness. So if we're going to talk about joy, let's just take a minute right now and talk about how the most important thing that we can do is letting go of all unforgiveness that we have toward anybody. Jesus said, when, if you have aught against anybody, ought is like a grudge. When you stand praying, he says to forgive ought. Think about ought, that word. Well, they ought to have done this. They ought not to have done this. Pastor Mark Kenkin says, you're going to live your life with a lot of oughts happening against you. Somebody does something to you that they shouldn't have done. Somebody not doing something that you feel like they should have done. And when you start to accumulate those, those will just suck the joy right out of your life. You will live a miserable life if you carry, if you go around all the time thinking about what somebody else should have done for you or should not have done, it'll suck your joy. The other thing, it says, when you stand praying, forgive. And so what does that mean? You can't stand there for 25 years, can you? (laughs) It's going to take me a long time to forgive this person. No, he said you can do it when you stand praying. (laughs) It's gonna take me a few weeks. Well, I don't know. Are you gonna stand there for a few weeks and pray for a few weeks? No, you can do it in a minute. You can choose, okay, I let go of all of that. I let go of what this person should have done or should not have done. I release all expectations. I give them the benefit of the doubt. I choose to forgive them even if they did it with bad intentions. Because you know what? You take love, man. You start talking about love, go into the book of Matthew. You know, we talk about, like, when we read the First Corinthians 13, I'm thinking about, like, my love of my daughter and how I respond to my husband and being patient with them and being patient with people in the church. But Jesus takes it to, like, a whole other level. He's like, love your enemies. So that means the person that's, like, telling lies about you, attacking you on the street, whatever it is, you, you know, we know we're not being a doormat. <laughs> I'm not preaching doormat Christianity, but I'm talking about a heart position here. Where we don't hold resentment, and we can even, man, the love of God is so powerful, it can make you even love people and not be mad at people that don't even like you. Now, that is some powerful stuff, because how in the world can anybody be like that? Our natural human, if you don't like me, man, I don't like you, like, no, the love of God will enable you to love people that don't even like you, people that are um, that are out to get you. It's you know that Job got for, he got healed when he forgave his critics. They called him his friends, but they were criticizing him. <laughs> they were criticizing everything that he did, and, and you know he was his life had just fallen apart, and he's got these friends that come and they're telling him everything he should have done, could have done, would have done, and he and they were his critics, right? But when he prayed for them. That was when God healed him and turned things around for them. So there is a power in praying for our enemies. That means praying for somebody in different political parties, different races, different groups, different uh, whether you like the president, whether or not. Loving our enemies, blessing and praying for those that persecute us, and then even says who despitefully use you. He tells us to even love people that are using us. This is challenging me. Because I've been thinking, like I said, I've been thinking about 1 Corinthians 13 in regards to my family and let me not talk mean to Elisa. But, but no, this is talking about loving the people who, who are using us and despitefully using us and blessing them and praying for them. And this is the kind of love that the world will know us by. This is the kind of love that releases the power of God. And it's not, we think it'll make us a doormat, but look at the life of Jesus. When he walked in this love, they tried to throw him over a cliff and all of a sudden he was gone. He walked right through him like there was nothing. The protection of God that was released in his life by walking in this kind of love so protected him that they could not kill him until he said, okay, now you can kill me. This love will make you invincible. It'll make you powerful. It'll make you strong. And so it doesn't matter if somebody is this or that or out to get you or, or targeting you because of your faith or targeting you just because for no good reason at all. Tell, and, and I'm telling you, this is going to happen in this time. If you can't see it happening right now and everything being set up, even for the church, people coming against the church, but our love will protect us. Our love will create, it's like a a shield around us, and the love of God will enable the joy of the Lord to be our strength, that we won't get weak, we won't get beaten down, and we will be that glorious church that goes home in a blaze of glory. We're not going out of here beaten down and tattered and, and just barely making it, limping into heaven. We're going out of here, the glorious church. Hallelujah. It was John. John Osteen was talking to, he was praying one day, and this is Joel Osteen's father, and he was a tremendous pastor. And he said, man, Jesus, I would sure like to hear the healing messages you preached because when you preached healing, everybody would get healed. And he said, well, I've got it right there in Matthew 5. Love your enemies when he would preach this message to them and he would tell people to forgive and he would tell man and then he would release the anointing and he would pray for them everybody got healed I wonder how many times are we praying for people and there's so much unforgiveness and resentment that are tying people up on the inside that they can't even receive the power of God that will set them free so that was just our side note on love today Man, you want your joy. You want strength. You want power of God. You want protection. You want all of that stuff. Release. Don't. If you, if you, and remember, what what is it that we say? When you feel, oh wait, now I forgot the quote. When you're feeling criticized, no, you know the devil's working on you. When you're feeling mistreated, you know the devil's working on you. When you're feeling mistreated, you know the devil's working on you. Next time you feel mistreated, take a second, whoop. Man, I really feel mistreated. There's something, I guarantee you, he's whispering in your ear, accusing. Satan is the accuser. Oh, this person should have done that. And they really did this because of that. And, man, what, what are they thinking, you know, and just that, that dialogue in your ear about this person. you got to let that go. you got to put a stop to it. The Holy Spirit will never do that. He's the advocator. He's the lawyer that defends people. Man, he will defend you. I've had him defend, you know, when I was mad at Joe. He will always defend. Nope, that's not what he meant. He'll always speak up on behalf, and he'll do the same thing for you. Somebody, if they'll listen to him, the enemy's talking in one ear trying to accuse you, the Holy Spirit will always come to your defense. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that you have a God that will come to your defense? He always believes the best about you. He always is, is, you know, saying, no, they're gonna make it. And you feel everybody else around you might be saying, Man, they're really a loser. They can't ever get it together. They're going nowhere. And he's there saying, nope, he's he's still gonna make it. He's got what it takes. I believe in him. He believes in you. He believes in me. <laughs> He believes, no matter how many times i made the same dumb mistake before, he believes that I can get it right. And he's there to help me when I turn to him. He believes in you. Say that right now. Say, God believes in me. We think that when he looks at us, he's like, and I feel that way. Like, if I come to God and I know I just disobeyed him, it's like, okay, well, I've got to get this. You know, like, my, I feel like... Lord, I don't know why I did it. I really, I plead the blood of Jesus. But he that's not how he's looking at you. The blood of Jesus on your life. He's not looking at you being like, you should have done this. And how, come on, why did you do that? He's not chiding you. The blood brings you to a place. When you're washed in the blood of Jesus, it brings you to a place where he looks at you and all he sees is that blood. And all he sees is that innocent sacrifice. Jesus is holy. Jesus is perfect. And he doesn't even have anything he could ever even chide you about. The power of the blood. Hallelujah. And so... So what are we, uh, so, oh, I want to read to you. I know I was talking to you at the beginning of service about how praying from the other side and taking that position and and taking our place. You know, that's how we, what we do in faith and in joy is, is we believe we receive it before we see it with our natural eyes. If he said I'm healed, then man, I'm excited and happy about it because he said it and it must be true. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't look like it yet. And when we do that, it opens us up to receive healing provision, whatever it is, and so there was a prophecy that came in this Facebook Live that I was, if you, you could go on my page and you could see it, it was, tr- it was just tremendous, it was just amazing. They both traveled with Brother Hagan, and they were just talking about what they had learned and what they had been imparted to from him, and it was just such a precious time and about the, the mission that we have now, you know, to carry on this, this work of, of just taking the reality of God to the world, you know, they won't believe, nobody should believe if it's not demonstrated. The power of God is real, and we are demonstrators of the power of God. And so this is what he spoke, and so I want to read this to you guys. He said, the Lord is turning around people's situations, and he is asking you to no longer to allow your mind and heart and soul to go to the old person that you used to be. That could be fearful person, angry person, failing person, lazy person, frustrated person, depressed person, whatever the negative attributes that you identify with in yourself, he's asking you to stop going back to that. But let it be from today that we step forward through the door and enjoy the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ and allow the finished work of Christ that has buried your old man and the sinner you used to be, allow glory, this wonderful glory, to just usher you into revelations and experiences of heaven where Jesus is your all in all, where all you begin to see as you wake up and think about during the day is the grace and the loving kindness of our Lord. And everywhere you go, people will begin to recognize that you carry with you an anointing and the glory of God, and that light shines among men. And today, even today, will begin, be a beginning of this for so many of you. There are some of you that, that feel in your heart and soul that you've stepped backwards, that you're not where you used to be, that you're not as far along, that, you don't, that you've lost, maybe you had a, a place in God that you're not in there anymore, you're not walking in, or in prayer, or whatever. Whatever. But today, you need to know that you have not come off the throne of God. Jesus is there at the right hand of God, and you are in him. You're still seated with him, and you still wear that wonderful robe of righteousness. I don't care how far back you may feel like you've fallen. If your faith, if you still believe, I believe everybody in here most likely believes, right? If you still believe that he's the son of God, that he died and rose for your sins, and you call him the Lord of your life, that, that you bear in your hand, you wear that robe of righteousness, and you bear in that hand that wonderful scepter of God's power and anointing. So stand your ground, lift up your head, and allow his loving kindness and victory to overwhelm your soul, and you'll find yourself right back where you were and beyond in this last time in Jesus' name. Man, that spoke to me. <laughs> that spoke to me. We Sometimes we feel like if we've fallen back or we've gotten off course, like, okay, now I've got to work my way back. It's gonna be a journey, it's gonna take me time, you know. I've gotta get some months under my belt of, you know, praying every day or doing this or doing that, and without realizing it or or even like I found and this is what what really spoke to me this week. It was like I would hear about Brother Hagen, how he prayed to the breakthrough, he had to pray like five hours and then he hit a gusher, and then he never had to pray that hard again. I'm like, Okay, well I'm just gonna have to pray like eight hours till I hit a gusher. I'm trying to like do something, you know, because he did it and I'm not doing it in faith of taking my position. I'm still trying to get there. Like, God, give me your fire. God, I want your fire. I want your power. I want your anointing. And it's like it all comes back to no, we take our place first. It doesn't matter if we feel qualified. It doesn't matter if we've messed up. It doesn't matter what. You just take your place. What Jesus has done is so powerful, so much more than enough. It's like when Brother Hagin saw Jesus and he fell at his feet and he said, No, no one as dirty as me should ever, or as sinful as me should ever look on your face. And he said, Get up, my blood has made you worthy. So all those talk in your head that's trying to disqualify you and trying to make you, you know, feel unworthy and like you've got to work your way back into God's good graces, it is the enemy. It is a lie. And you could take your place right now at the highest point you've ever been in your walk with God. And you take it by faith. And you take it with rejoicing. And you take it and you act like it's so before it feels it. And you tell your feelings to get in mind. One thing about joy and one thing about rejoicing is your flesh will never want to do it. Your flesh will always fight you. You cannot go by your feelings. Flesh means feelings. What your feelings, what your mind is saying, how you want, you know, what you feel like doing. It will always fight you. Rejoicing is an act of faith. It's a decision. You choose to do it out of a choice of your will to choose to believe God. And then it comes. The joy comes as you make that choice. You'll start to feel your feelings change, but you can't wait for your feelings to lead you there. You have got to lead your feelings. We have got to lead our feelings, and this is something. I mean, it doesn't hurt for us to tell each other every day, right? Because tell ourselves every day, like I'm not going to be led by my feelings. I will lead my feelings, and it's like if we wait to feel like doing the right things, we'll never do it. But we have to choose to lead. You know, and even if like suppose you know that you. You're disobeying God in a certain area and you're like, ah, I don't think I can I don't think I can let go of this. Start by rejoicing. You know, there was a point in my life where I was like, not even like I was struggling in my in serving God. Like I was feeling like I didn't want to, I didn't want to do the ministry. I didn't want to like I was feeling burnout on church. I was feeling like all these cynical thoughts, you know, that that start to happen when you start to burn out. Like, oh, there's so many hypocrites. And you start to go down that whole path. I don't want to be in church because everybody's a hypocrite, and I'm not really. I don't really. I don't want to be a hypocrite too. And da 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 da. da. And you start to think all this stuff. And that's what happens when you start to stray. So I was there, right? And I, in that moment in time, I began to learn these principles. And I'll tell you what, my feelings didn't want to, there was a lot of junk in my soul at that point that I had let get in. A lot of junk. A lot of, ba- like, just desires going all over the place. You know, like I said, like, I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want. I don't even know if I want to do this. All these thoughts, crazy thoughts that come in your mind. And I learned, though, by the grace of God, he brought this message into my life. And even when I wasn't feeling like it, I started to rejoice in faith and trust in God that he's able to turn things around for me and even make me want to do the right things, even though I don't want to do the right things, and pull me out of the trap that I was in. And I'll tell you what. Everything turned from that, from that standpoint. So you don't have to wait until you feel like, oh, I'm fully surrendered and I really want, I only want God. You can rejoice right here, right now, even with the craziness in your flesh or in your mind or crazy thoughts and stuff like that. You just have to know, like, no, I know that there's a, I knew that in my heart I loved him. I knew that I didn't want to go away from him. But, man, my soul was all jacked up. And I chose in that moment to go with my heart. And that didn't mean I got everything right externally, but I started to rejoice. In meetings like this, when we were being challenged to rejoice, I started to lift my voice. And God turned my heart. And he turned me in and to the point, you know, and it didn't happen right away, but there was a point then where I could again lay myself down and say, I know that I want you and I give my life to you. Completely. I'll let go of whatever you want me to let go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But that is not where I started. Does that make sense? I did not start there. I was not willing, but I knew I wanted him. So you can, by faith, even walk out of places of, you know, whatever it is, bad places in your soul. Joy is the serious business of heaven. When you rejoice, serious business is being done. Serious business. You know, when serious things happen in our lives, it's like, man, this is serious. Like, this is, this is bad. We've got to get serious to deal with this serious problem. Well, God's way of dealing with that serious problem, guess what it is? <laughs> ha ha! start to praise and you start to worship and you start to laugh you know even in the face uh there's a verse that says in the face of um at destruction and famine thou shalt laugh And the most unlikely times. The Holy Spirit will have you laughing at the most unusual times. People will think you're crazy, like she just got this terrible report. Why is she laughing? She has lost her mind. She needs to go to the mental hospital. No, it's the oil of joy on the inside. It's you taking hold of what has been given to you by faith, and you are, you know, in the middle of the battle. You can rejoice he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemy. He calls your cup to run over. Goodness and mercy follows you all the days of your life. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid of anything evil happening. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it won't hurt you. It won't come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the Most High your habitation. No evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Hallelujah. You will tread upon the lion and the yatter. The young lion and the dragon you will trample under your foot because you set your love upon him. He will deliver you. He will set you on high because you know his name. You will call upon him. He will answer you. He will be with you in trouble. He will deliver you with long life. He will satisfy you and he will show you his salvation. somebody stand up and just praise him right now hallelujah thank you my high places. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The oil of joy. <laughs> what does oil do? You oil something up, makes everything run smoother, right? <laughs> makes the squeaky stuff stop. Yeah, man, and when there's a, a, an oil change in the car, the, oil, the, the clean oil running through the motor, you can go on a trip and not worry about something you know, crazy, hopefully happening, but the oil, you got to have the oil change. <laughs> So that's what the joy does. Brings us, it gets us an oil change. Fresh oil. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Thank God for fresh oil today. Fresh oil of the Holy Ghost. Fresh oil. Hallelujah. To do your will. Fresh oil to keep going. To not give up. To fulfill everything you've called us to do to run our race. Fresh oil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to give a call for anybody who, um, you know, every, every, every service we do this, every service, we will always give a call that if you don't know Jesus, if you have not given your life to him, there is a good life that is available for you. He died. He died. He was rejected so you could be accepted. He was made sick so you could be made whole. He was, uh, he was, all the guilt was placed on him so you could be free from guilt. Anything that's in your past, man, there is a new beginning. A new beginning. He, is, he makes all things new. It says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. I've taken that for myself many times all things new. And all you do, it says, if you'll believe in your heart that God rose Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord, you'll be saved. Maybe you've, maybe, maybe you've, you've never made that confession. Maybe you're not sure that if you died tonight, that you would, where you would go, that you would go to heaven. Today, we want to give you the opportunity to know for certain that when, you, that when you die, you know your eternal destination. Tomorrow is not promised. Don't push off for tomorrow. What is to be done today? Today, the Holy Spirit is drawing. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the appointed time. Today, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. But today is that time. Today, Jesus, you can, the Bible says that that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. If any man would open the door, he'll come in. But we must open the door. It's not enough just to believe in God. Satan doesn't care who believes in God. As long as you keep your mouth shut about it, you must open your mouth. You must confess, Jesus is my Lord. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation isn't just a one-time thing for when you go to heaven. Salvation is every day day, every day I need rescued from something in my life even if it's from me, from my own stupid thoughts, my own stupid habits or tendencies, we need rescued and Jesus is the answer, he is the savior he is the healer, there is hope in every situation, he is the hope of glory, he is able to save and to deliver he's able to turn everything around, he's able to give a fresh start, I want to give anybody who who needs just a fresh start or fresh touch who wants to give their life to jesus i want to give you the opportunity to come up to come up just lift your hand if you or, or lift your hand lift your hand if you want to pray that prayer with me baby is there anything you want to say i believe in your heart that god raised you from the dead let's just say that say what well, because because salvation is every day right i love to say that first thing when i wake up father i believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth Jesus you are my Lord thank you for saving me for all eternity and today where I need to be saved for protection for deliverance for healing for salvation hallelujah thank you father Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your power here in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you for touching lives. Thank you for fresh fire, fresh oil, fresh anointing. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with your Holy Spirit. Just take another few seconds and let's just thank him for filling us. Oh, thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Oh, Oh, we bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We rejoice in you today, Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we leave here built up, strengthened, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the destiny. I thank you, Father, for making us alert to uh, divine appointments, Father, that as people cross our paths that need you, that are ready for you, Father, that I pray for a boldness here in this place, that each and every person will be bold to share their faith, to share The reality to pray for the sick to step out, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We are soul winning church, right? We're soul winning church. One of the things that uh, this evangelist that was on that call said, he said, I never like you think sometimes that some people are just like, you know, it's easy for them to step out. They're an evangelist or they're bold or they're that. He's like, I have to force myself every single time. So that was encouraging to me. Step out this week. The flesh will always, your feelings will always fight you to do anything spiritual, anything that will lead you towards God or helping people or being used by him. Your feelings will always fight you. And so it was just encouraging me to know, man, we're not alone in that. It doesn't mean we're not spiritual. We have to force it. You have to push yourself out. But guess what? When you step out, guess who takes hold with you? The Holy Spirit will come right in and he'll take over. And we're going to see, see miracles happen in, in the lives We're going to see 100 people, right? 100 people. Say 100 people in here. Amen.
1: Amen. That was a fantastic service, fantastic word. Just phenomenal, phenomenal. And, And remember, it's not the hearer, it's the doer that gets results. So it's the doer of the word of God that sees results in their lives. And that's what we're here for. We're here to see results. You made the effort to come here on a Sunday morning. Now make the effort to put into practice what you've learned here. And I'm telling you, things will change. This is not some dusty book full of instructions. It's a a book full of power and life. And it will sustain you and thrive you. Amen. Let's stand up on your feet. I'm going to pray a blessing over you before you go, thank you again for coming. We love you guys. Father, I thank you for those that have come to worship with us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you'll protect them this week. I thank you that you'll prosper them this week, that this will be the best week they've ever had. I thank you for opening up doors that no man can shut this week. I thank you, Father, that you're working right now to make crooked places straight in their lives. I thank you, Lord, that you you are you are restoring to them what they're, what they're believing you for, whether it be their marriage, their children, their relationships. I thank you that you're a God of restoration that you will restore to them this week, Father, what they are believing for. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week, everybody. God bless you.